This is American Real, where we aim to inspire, empower, and enlighten you through the stories of our guests. Here's your host, Roger Brooks. How young should, I guess, the, the, the young folks get mentors? Mm-hmm. And as mentors, how, how young should we go? I think when you have children that grow up around families that are in this game, they learn a different language and they see a different conversation around what's possible. Not every child is in that kind of environment. So I think starting them as young as possible makes sense. I also think that um, there's some challenges around the culture of what children do to keep busy today. And so teaching them to take their ideas, their creativity, their hobbies, and understand that they are in a way, a path to a future that they desire is you can't start them too young. Let me guess, you're an entrepreneur looking for ways to grow your business online. And you've probably tried everything to grow your business, including social media, SEO, even paid ads, only to find out that nothing truly works. So what if I told you that writing a book that goes on to become a bestseller is the magic wand, and that you can do it in as little as 30 days, two weeks, or even over a weekend in some cases, without spending more than 10 minutes a day. Would you be interested? My name is Roger Brooks, and I'm the founder and host of American Real TV, where I interview world-class guests to empower others through the essence of story. But I didn't get here overnight, and my mission certainly doesn't end here. Ever since I was a little boy, it's been my dream to empower others through the craft of writing and storytelling. And throughout my life, I came across several mentors who pushed me toward my passion for writing books and helping others to do the same. There is no greater joy than to be working with aspiring authors and to help them establish true credibility within their industry by writing and publishing their first book, which I'm proud to say have all gone on to become bestsellers. Now, you're seeing this video because I just opened enrollment for my new book writing program, where I promise to take you from page one to published in 90 days or less. I will be personally working with you to overcome the same fears and obstacles that kept me from pursuing my dreams all of those years. Simply click on the link below to see how I could help you become a first-time best-selling author. I look forward to seeing you on the inside. This is American Real. I am Roger Brooks. My guest today is Laura McCann. You are the founder and CEO of Adora Therapy. Laura, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yes, I'm excited about this discussion because we have so many different things to talk about today. You, you have you know, a very diverse, uh, um, I guess, portfolio of items that that you do to help people. You have products that we're gonna talk about, and I'd love to start there if you don't mind, because we talked a little bit off camera about essential oils in your <laughs> business of a perfumed essential oil. 
Yeah, so uh, I'm the chief mood booster of Adora Therapy, and we're a manufacturer of essential oil perfume. So we talked about essential oils, which are typically used in a diffuser that might be single notes like lavender, you know, that relaxes you. We have a, a little bit of a different take. Everything we do is packaged as a pre-blended oil that's safe and ready to use. We say they're pret-a-porter gifts because we have this beautiful packaging. Um, everything is designed like perfume, so it's designed for the scent profile, a floral, a woodsy, a citrus, an herbal, um, and different than essential oils, which are normally about like a therapeutic benefit. Ours are therapeutic as well, but we're really all about encouraging you to adore yourself. So there's a message of self-love, self-care, affirmation. Um, it's really uh, the yoga fans go-to perfume. We're very popular with the yoga and kind of mindful crowd. And this really, this product came from my desire after uh, over 25 years in the fashion industry, you know, designing and developing products that might not have been good for anybody or good for the environment to have a business that aligned more with my mission around creating uh, products on a platform where I could use a lot of the things I learned as an entrepreneur to uh, share them, but also make something that elevates. So like right now, see, I'm talking and I'm not breathing. So one of the things I found is sort of the hack of life is if you learn how to breathe, taking a deep breath. And then when you take that breath, you have the opportunity to really center yourself and shift how you feel. If you add essential oils to that breath, all of a sudden you have this ability to connect with the limbic system and the brain. And this allows you to kind of re-trigger. Think of it like how vitamin water has something in it so you drink more water. Well, breath, what do you add to breath? Something that's good for it, something that can elevate you. So I call myself a life coach in a bottle. And uh, I love to share my journey of sort of self-empowerment uh, with other women and, uh, and our beautiful audience. I love that. And there's so much that you said that's tied together about our conversation today. So I'm really happy we started here. But for people who are not familiar with essential oils, I know because my wife and I have been uh, purchasing essential oils for probably a dozen years now, and it's very much a part of our lives and our home and our environment. Um, my wife will put the lavender even in the filter of the vacuum cleaner. So oh, yeah. When she vacuums, you know, and smells I'm, great. Yeah, yeah, the house smells wonderful. But can you break it down for us for people who are not, because there's still a large percentage of the population that, that are not familiar with essential oils, what are they and why should people look into them? Yeah, so essential oils are typically the, think of it, essential is the essence and the essence usually of plants and of flowers. And they're extracted in a way that's quite natural and uh, takes quite a bit of um, distillation. There's different methods that you can extract these essences from these plants. And then those oils uh, have very beautiful therapeutic benefits. So I think maybe 10 or 15 years ago, people thought this is a very hippie thing. This is a bohemian thing. You know, the idea that you could heal yourself with these pro you know, products. But the truth is there's a lot of science today. And a lot of the science shows that there's specific uh, chemical constituents and molecular compositions that actually do affect us, either through absorption through the skin or the nose and the mucous membranes. And so um, if you have 
a reputable source and a high quality, high grade oil that hasn't been altered. And then if you also are experienced at formulating and blending these together, you can really create powerful um, formulations that can really do all kinds of things from health to shifting mood. And wow. so, you know, you can use them in a diffuser. That's one way. Uh, if they're not diluted, the safest way. Uh, people blend them, like you were mentioning. You can. I use some uh, undiluted on a felt ball in my washer dryer. So this helps with not using, you know, things that pollute, like a, you know, like a laundry uh, dryer scent strip or something like that. But then, you know, why I'm in the business of this, which is a very interesting thing, is as a businesswoman who's been um, always looking at the trends in consumer products. I saw this really remarkable white space around the aromatherapy category where it's still, like you said, not maybe 100% known. And if you go at retail to buy it, it might be on the shelf at Walgreens with the vitamins or at Target, you know, maybe in the beauty department, but nobody's really figured out how to use these products as an alternative to perfume. And for me, my journey started there where I was looking to get rid of products that were maybe not healthy and maybe toxic. And I still wanted to have scent in my life. And so these are, I call it aroma perfume, which is the cleanest of the clean perfume. So yeah, there's a lot of reading you can do on aromatherapy. It's great that you use them. They become a big anchor in my life around uh, how I have my journey of anchoring back into a moment when I need to stop and be present, which as busy people, very hard to do. <laughs> I'm guilty of that. Uh, you know, when somebody says, how are you doing? And my answer is I'm busy trying to stop saying that. But, you know, that's, I think, how we all operate today. Wow. Well, thanks for that uh, background and education. Um, and one of the examples I could give is as we started researching these more and more, there's one particular oil that's very, very strong. And actually, it could be it, you could hurt yourself by applying it on your skin and that's oregano. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but if it's mixed with oil and you do it the certain way from the formula, it could even be great for helping cure a sore throat. Um, and you know, on and on there, there, there's so many benefits to these oils, but I have firsthand experience that yes. they really do make a difference. And now I'm really curious about the perfume. You know, I'm, I'm going to look into it. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll send you some. We have um, a line of, we call them room boosts, and we say they're feng shui for your mood and the mood of your environment. So some of our products you use as perfume, these are room and body sprays, and we have one in particular called Abundance, which smells amazing. It has like clove and cinnamon, and it has sort of this spicy holiday scent, um, beautiful packaging, and uh, it's really great for you know, bringing in abundance, whatever that looks like, sales, paying your bills, <laughs> when the money's going in or the money's going out, <laughs> everybody needs up of abundance. Wow. No, we, <laughs> well, could use we'll that. Yeah. we could use that in our household. So thank you so much. But speaking of packaging, I noticed as you were showing us the, the packaging, I can't help but think you were raised in Paris. And yes. my wife and I had the chance to go there a couple of years ago. And and it's, it seems to me that maybe there's some influence from your background, even with your with your packaging. Would you would you say that's right? Yeah. Yeah. So when I was um, seven, I, I'm from the U.S. and I was born in Miami. 
Uh, my parents got divorced in, this was like the 70s, and my mom was a single mother with three kids and had aspirations to become an artist and in a very kind of uh, bohemian way, uh, took her young family to Paris to start over. And I benefited from that um, choice of hers. And so I had this uh, amazing opportunity, which I think did also, uh, it was the foundation of sort of my curiosity, my ability to see things differently. It took a lot of courage. You know, I think she threw me into public school. I didn't speak the language and I had to kind of figure it out. Um, but all these things sort of, uh, melded me with my desire to create something that was aesthetically pleasing, you know, in, in Europe, the culture of products and packaging and beauty products, you know, is very ingrained. And so I think uh, a lot of the visual cues that I use come from, you know, my background. And I was a fashion designer. So uh, that also had a lot of influence on me. Fantastic. And speaking of your mom, I saw a recent post that you put up and you showed a piece of her artwork. Yeah, so yeah, she's an amazing sculptor. She did end up, uh, she was a, the, one of the oldest, I think at 30, uh, students to get into the Beaux-Arts school. And so she had a classical training in sculpture. And uh, as a kid, I remember her bringing me to the Beaux-Arts, which if you know how the French, you know, buildings are, like imagine this, it was probably like a castle or something and, you know, decrepit with wood everywhere and like these big rooms. And she would take me to her drawing classes and her sculpture studio and I get to see all this. So it's really impactful. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm very right brain, left brain person. And I think uh, the, the idea that I was what they call a third culture kid, you know, somebody who came from one culture to another culture has really had a, a huge impact on me. I can see that, and, and to add to that, now, when you were young, you were part of YEO, which is the Young Entrepreneurs. Yeah. How did that come to be? You know, I had a friend who became an entrepreneur, a very close friend, and, um, you know, I remember thinking about entrepreneurship, but I really didn't, you know, it's a French word, so I knew what it meant, but, you know, in those days, we didn't talk about that. This is probably back in the 80s. But he became an entrepreneur and he joined, uh, at the time it was YEO, now it's EO. Uh, and he invited me after I started my first business, which was a buying agency. We manufactured clothing for all the big vertical retailers. And, uh, you know, you know, I went, I, I respected him. And before I knew it, I got very involved in EO um, and participated doing a lot of volunteer work, you know, ran the New York chapter, did some conferences in universities. And it was really interesting because in those days, there wasn't this whole entrepreneurial culture where there were all the things and there wasn't the internet. <laughs> now I'm dating myself. So, you know, how you gain knowledge, there wasn't LinkedIn, you know, there wasn't Facebook. So you, you met people and you created real networks with real people. And so that was probably one of the most uh, impactful organizations I've ever belonged to. And it still is out there and growing and thriving. And uh, I encourage anybody who's on that journey, who's maybe doing it alone to look into some of these kinds of programs, because uh, it takes, it takes a village and, you know, as entrepreneurs, I think oftentimes it's a little bit like uh, AA, you know, you need to go to your meeting and talk about your stuff and not everybody wants to hear what's going on with your stuff. You know, not everybody has employees and cash flow issues. And so having a group of peers to tap into really makes a difference. 
That's great advice. And I know this week you had the opportunity to work with some young, as they call them, lady bosses, <laughs> ages, uh, girls ages 10 to 13. Tell us about that experience. So yeah, so there's this wonderful uh, organization founded by an amazing local woman named Emily Breedlove. And Emily uh, ha is a mom and an entrepreneur. And um, I guess she had this desire to take her children through this journey. And so a few years ago, she started Camp Girl Boss. And it's a camp for young uh, girls between the ages of 10 and I think 13, so they're middle school. And uh, she has recently syndicated it. And now there will be about, I think, 15 Camp Girl Bosses this summer across the country. And um, so if anybody's interested, you can reach out to me or to her or Camp Girl Boss to find out about how to bring one to your city, your town. And they put the young girls through a curriculum for three or four days that is very much like a rigorous boot camp. And on the other side of it, they walk out with not only a business, but a product and a brand. And, you know, I looked at this opportunity to share my story and I never realized you could start them that young because I think that's really what's going to impact the whole conversation about equity and diversity. It's not just like, let's help women today because I think we might be the last mile and a little too late, but if we can get them started that young, then they might never even have to talk about diversity and equity. It might just go away. No, and that, I guess that uh, leads me to my next question is, you know, based on this experience, how young should, I guess, the, the, the young folks get mentors? Mm -hmm. and as mentors, how, how young should we go? Well, you know, if, I don't know if you have children. I have two grown-up kids, and uh, I still have this, like, little toy lion that my daughter must have had at a toy and she made a little sign and hung it around the neck and it said boss <laughs> and i've kept it all these years because i think when you have children that grow up around families that are in this game they learn a different language and they see a different conversation around what's possible not every child is in that kind of environment so i think starting them as young as possible makes sense I also think that um, there's some challenges around the culture of what children do to keep busy today. And, you know, I, I remember this might sound familiar to you, but when I was bored as a child, my mom would say, how could you be bored? There's so many things you could do. Today, I don't think kids are really, they never have time to be bored because they can pick up a digital device, a game thing, whatever, and they can entertain themselves. But as a result, they're not understanding that that time could be used to help. I think the future is teaching that monetization of everything you do is a necessary skill set if you're going to have the future you want. Not that everybody should make money, but it does help. And so teaching them to take their ideas, their creativity, their hobbies, and understand that they are in a way a path to a future that they desire is you can't start them too young. And so, you know, if you're scrolling on Instagram or Snapchat or making TikTok videos, they all, this is one of the conversations we had yesterday with Emily, is they all want to be influencers, right? Because you used to want to be Tom Cruise or like a movie star. Today, you want to be a gamer or an influencer. But that isn't just making videos. Like, so there's a business aspect to all these things. So let's teach them what that is. And if that's how they make their money in the future, awesome. But... <laughs> 
let's teach them. <laughs> That's wonderful. So well said. And yes, I, uh, we have a daughter, 17, our son will be 14 soon. And, and our daughter is actually, and I didn't think about this until you just said it now, because she lives in this entrepreneurial household. She wants to start her own business with two of her friends and they're actually moving forward with it. And you That's know, great. Maybe, maybe the influence uh, did, did make some type of an impact, but yeah, I agree that it's, um, you know, it, it's okay to mentor them as early as, as possible. If, yeah. It, it, it can't hurt. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think age appropriate conversations, but, um, you know, in school we teach them a lot of things that are helpful, but I think we want to teach them things that are useful. For sure. For sure. So it's also women's international month right now. Uh, I know that's something that um, you're very passionate about, empowering, inspiring women. What does that mean to you? And can you just give us a, a, a little taste of how, you know, you may be uh, helping women, uh, not only this month, but, but all your... Yeah, that's great. Yeah, thank you. You know, as a, a woman founder, when I started out in business, I didn't even think of that. And it wasn't a conversation that I actually... Um, was in because I was in the fashion industry and there's a surprisingly large number of women in high roles. Um, I also think we didn't talk about these differences as much. Today it's very much top of mind and if you're in a startup environment, um, certainly around access to capital, that's a big conversation. The second part is leadership, right? Can women run companies? So there's a lot of great data today that says Yes, absolutely, and women are starting companies very fast, maybe faster than other sectors, uh, demographics, and, um, and they're growing successful companies, but the access to capital is really still you know, not balanced. I think the numbers are 3% of everything that's uh, a venture capital goes to women, and so it's something like 160 billion maybe that happened this year, so 3% of that is 26 billion, and I think 20 billion of that 26 is women who have a male co-founder. So I've had that journey. I've had businesses where it was just me. I've had several businesses where I've had a male co-founder and having a male co-founder made some of that conversation go away. This time around, it's just me and I'm the founder. And I have to say that I find that there is definitely bias and a challenge and raising money as a woman is kind of almost... I don't want to say impossible, but it, it could be a waste of time because you're going to get a lot of no's. There are more uh, organizations, groups, and uh, different kinds of uh, events you can go to specifically for women, which is fantastic. The numbers all have all increased, so the share for women is bigger, but there's still a small percentage. And so how to address that? I think helping them start when they're 10, why not? That might be a way. Um, but then also as, as, as humans, like trying to understand where that's coming from. I have a brother, I have a father. Um, I must say that they're somewhat supportive, but I don't think that they see me in my power, even though they're both very powerful people at some level, you know, if you have a daughter, I have a daughter, I have a son. It's like, you know, I think we still hold something differently around the genders and uh, in, in other countries even more so. So there's work to do here. I can't make the difference every day. So what I do is I mentor other women and I invest in other women. And that's how I bridge that gap that I see. 
Wonderful. That's uh, just such wonderful work. And but please help me understand. I'm I'm actually a bit taken back by some of those facts that you just went through. The biggest one being, if a woman walks into a bank versus a man, uh-huh. if they have the exact same financials, call it, they're yeah. the exact same age. Nothing is different. You're telling me the male will have a much better chance than the female? So with banks, it might be different because, you know, they're looking at uh, assets. They're looking at, you know, um, cash flow. They're looking at things that are a little different. But when you're talking about venture capital, early stage, that kind of thing. Yeah, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of data that says like the questions that are asked to a woman versus the questions that are asked to uh, a team of, of men are quite different. There's some bias around, you know, risk that is different for women. Um, you know, I, I've been I've been very fortunate. Like I was invited last year into the Tory Burch Fellows Program. Wow. So Tory Burch is, you know, a billionaire, famous fashion designer. She's part of the 0.1%, you know, up there with the Oprahs of the world. And her mission was to create a philanthropic foundation to support women. You know, they talk about embracing your ambition. And when you're in a room with 50 women like I was for three days, we don't see that we're, we have any limitations. We see ourselves as capable. Uh, we have amazing businesses. We're thriving. We're pushing. We're doing that. I've been in rooms where I'm the only women and they're men. They feel the same way. But you go into a conversation where you're asking somebody for money to believe in you, to put their money behind you, and the conversation changes. I, I don't know exactly what that is. I think we probably will never figure it out, but I, I just think that we can all do better. And so for myself, I've, I funded my own businesses, and that's how I've bypassed some of that. I'd love to get funding from outside or more funding, but um, most of my attempts to do so have uh, hit the a lot of different obstacles. It could be that I don't have the MBA from Wharton. It could be that I'm no longer a millennial. It could be that I'm a woman. There are many things. So if you don't want to uh, have to ask yourself why, you just figure out how to start businesses that are uh, profitable from the beginning and don't require a ton of venture capital to grow. And that means you have to maybe start a different kind of business. Right, and be open yeah. to that. Good, yeah, very good yeah, points. Yeah. And I think, you know, the shark tanks of the world, you know, that, that TV show in particular, probably, I would think, helps, right? In the, in the, because they're really just looking at the individual and, and the business plan and the model and, the, you know, what they're asking for equity. So I, w- I would think or hope that that TV show makes some impact on elevating women, at least to be on par. I just, I don't yeah. know, I have a really hard time with um, gender inequality, you know, yeah. any yeah. inequality for that matter. No, and it gets even more challenging when you add diversity to these types of things, right? And so the, the truth is the world is changing and all of these issues are, be, you know, we all have uh, people in our lives that are from everywhere and that are every gender and every belief system. And so, you know, we... We still have to figure out how to do that in other parts of the culture and it'll eventually happen. And I, I believe the young people will make it happen because I don't know, your, your teenagers, 
probably when you say certain things, they're like, what? You know, like, we don't even think that way. And I'm like, oh, that's great. Don't think that way. I think that way because I have years of being trained to think that way, but I wish I didn't. So that's the hope. <laughs> Absolutely. Laura, uh, you mentioned this earlier. You call yourself a life coach in a bottle. Uh, you're all about empowerment. Uh, you talked a little bit about the breathing, but you're also very passionate about self-love and, as you say, adore yourself. Can, can you talk to us about your life coaching and, and how you're helping others uh, through their journeys? Yeah, so I have had, uh, through the entrepreneurial journey, the roller coaster of up and down. And I think many of us have it regardless of being entrepreneurs, but as an entrepreneur, you're pretty much guaranteed to have high highs and low lows. And so understanding you as separate from that is part of the path and the journey. Um, and, uh, and as you're, you know, when you're in pain, you, or you have fear, you usually do some of your best learning. And so you go to the things that will help you. And so I've been a student of personal transformation, uh, since my twenties, frankly, because when I moved back to America and had to re-figure out like the cultural shifts of uh, you know, coming back to the country that I hadn't lived in for 12, 13 years, that was its own trauma. Um, and so I had to really uh, dig in. And so that, that early journey of knowing that there were tools, books, at the time it was mostly books, but seminars, conferences. Today, you know, Tony Robbins, everybody knows who he is. 20 years ago, you know, people thought you were in a cult <laughs> if you followed these people. Um, you know, so I've, I've, I've done the work, I've done the reading and, uh, you know, and then things that I've learned. So three, three key messages that I've learned is if you don't love yourself, a lot of things aren't going to happen. So what does that look like? And for everybody it's different, but a lot of times we all have, uh, trauma. It, your parents were divorced, you were bullied in school, you know, name it. We all have it. Understanding that and then getting past it is the work of the work. And so, you know, when you sit down with somebody and you understand that all the ways they're being are uh, inferred from that background, you can have empathy, empathy for them, empathy for you, um, and you can have a deeper connection. So that's one thing. The other thing is this idea of breath, which is, you know, breath is healing. And so if we learn to breathe, whether it's meditation or gratitude, or even when we exercise or run, we're really healing our bodies. So really a practice of breath. You know, some people talk about gratitude or mindfulness. To me, that ties in with uh, intention. So having an intention. And thoughts create things, thoughts create reality. So really understanding how to uh, think of the thoughts you wanna have instead of the thoughts having you. <laughs> and so one of the ways that I share this is um, in the past year, I've grown my Instagram for my business from like nothing to about 10,000 followers, which is not big, but it's all organic. And on my Instagram page, which is at Adora Therapy, I share uh, memes and different things of all the things I read, all the things I learn, all the philosophies that I have to really uh, give back those conversations because I don't know if everybody's having them. I've been told that I have those conversations very often and very quickly with people. We go deep. And so this is my way of 
putting that out there and, uh, and sharing that. Wow. That's wonderful. And one of the things uh, I wanted to ask you about in, in that regard is from our backgrounds, and we're about the same age here, um, we may have been raised a little bit of with to, to hold on to certain intellectual property that we have, not mm-hmm. to share that. It sounds like from what you just said that you're not afraid to share, right? Is that, do I have that right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, ideas are ideas. Implementing ideas, as you know, requires a whole other level of commitment. So, and I, you know, if you have a great idea, chances are it's out there. You know, we've all been like, that was my idea, or, you know, I knew that idea. And so, you know, we all have that. But honestly, to have a business or an idea of a business and to make it work, it takes hours, dedication, money, capital, you know, hardship, all of that. So I don't think it's that easy to lose your ideas to the wins. Um, but, you know, yeah, I'm not saying tell everybody everything you're thinking, but um, I, think, I think there's a way of being open and not fearful that can have a greater impact than operating from fear, always. Yeah, well put, very well put. So let's talk about your personal development journey. Yes. Um, if you don't mind sharing with us maybe some of the books you've read, some of the speakers yeah. that you've listened to, how did you get so inspired that now you're helping others? So, you know, I do have my favorite books. I love, uh, I mean, some of us have all seen the movies like What the Bleep Do You Know or The Secret. So there's obviously all the things around the law of attraction, which is a big theme. And I honestly didn't get, I couldn't figure out law of attraction. I did it. I read it. I thought I was doing it, but it was sort of like, you know, you're pulling the bow and arrow and you you get a bullseye, but then every other time you're completely off the target. So I was like, what am I doing wrong? And lately, I think it was a year ago, I read Dr. Joe Dispenza, who's an amazing guy. And uh, I was listening to, I guess, a YouTube video or podcast, and I heard him share, uh, how his daughter got this and it like, I got it. And the difference for me with that distinction was when you're really understanding that reality you're trying to create and you can feel it like it's already happened, like physically change how you feel. You could have tears, you could have goosebumps, you could feel your heartbeat faster. Then you've really accessed it. And in a way it doesn't matter if it happens anymore because ultimately what you were looking for was that whole experience that's when it happens. And so I've been much better at creating my future with that knowledge. Um, there's also an amazing guy, um, his name is um, Vishen Lakhiani and he has Mind Valley. I don't know if you're familiar with Mind Valley. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So Mind Valley has all kinds of programs with all kinds of really great speakers and they do a lot of free stuff so you can you know, get a little tasting before you sign up. Um, I've been to AFEST, which is a conference where you get all these like-minded sort of people that are into personal transformation and entrepreneurship. And it's really great to be in those conversations with those kinds of people. Um, and then Solvana, I don't meditate a lot. I have trouble with traditional meditation, but Solvana is an app that I use that you can do group meditations, they're more guided, and they have a lot of um, 
really great uh, visualizations and meditation, and I find that those are really effective. Especially, I'm always trying to work on abundance, you know, getting things flowing, but also healing. And 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 I, I realize I'm an energetic being, and everything is energy. And so that's my unit of, uh, you know, like there's unit economics. That's my unit of humanness is energy. And so I'm always looking at where is my energy flowing? Where is it going? Is it is it flowing or not? And so I think of things that way, and it helps. And then the last. Um, I guess hack that I have is, you know, really all about um, using the oils, which is something that I, I didn't do. I didn't come to this business as an aromatherapist. I actually partnered with someone who was incredibly talented, Adora Winquist. She created all our formulas. She's an intuitive healer and a trained aromatherapist. And it was because she introduced me to these products that this journey of being involved in this part of the industry came about. It was probably meant to be. But in case it wasn't, uh, I certainly seized it and saw an opportunity to use these tools as a way to share all these messages. Wow. Well, thanks for that. I mean, and you gave us some really good information there uh, with those life hacks and ideas. So thanks so much. What's on the radar for you? What's next? Anything exciting you're working on that, that we could keep an eye out for? Yeah. So, you know, through this journey and, you know, the, the building a brand that is a consumer product. We started out as uh, manufacturers and we were distributing our products in different channels, but very traditional channels like um, retail stores, Amazon distributors. And we didn't do the whole direct to consumer journey because we were scent based and that was very challenging. How do you sell something that you have to smell online, especially if nobody knows you? So today we've seen some uh, companies do that very well. They're venture backed and we've looked at those models and we see some really cool marketing twists that we can pick up for our own journey. But while this is all happening, there's this downward trend of direct to consumer that's happening. Of course, with everything going on right now with the economy and the coronavirus, uh, I think we're gonna see some massive challenges around uh, both supply chains and, you know, just uh, how do you get your business out there in a world that's got other things on its mind. And so I'm happy to say that I've sort of been pivoting the business and, and that's led me to more of a technology play where I'm partnering with some really cool technology folks out in the valley. Uh, it's a group called ShopType. And we're going to be uh, a beta client for this new platform that's really kind of like a cloud-based reseller platform that I think is going to help us with our journey of distribution and marketing uh, and direct-to-consumer. But it's a whole new paradigm around how you do business as a brand and how you leverage your influencer network as a reseller base. So I'm very excited about that. I have a, uh, done about 10 years of my journey in tech, and to merge these two things is really great because I can use both sides of the brain and like hopefully we'll have a whole new business in six months. That's great, what a great <laughs> story. Congratulations. Thanks. When you think about that, and um, talk about this a lot, kind of connecting the dots backwards, so all the things you've done, you know, since you were a little girl growing up in Paris <laughs> now, isn't it neat to see how everything just coincides? It is. It, you know, I think that's the beauty of being able to look back. You know, they say hindsight is uh, what, 50-50. I think it's, uh, 
it's probably not an accident I'm where I am today. Although I, I, you know, I have a 30, almost 30 year old and a 26 year old. And I find that, that those times in their life, as they go through these different ages, you can see what you might've been like at that age. And so seeing them now as they're becoming uh, professionals and have careers is really interesting for me. Neither one of them is an entrepreneur per se. They've often said, we'll never be one because we've seen what that journey was for you. But it's in their DNA. So I, I think it will probably happen in one, one form or another. But I, I think it's, that's the fun part, right, is watching uh, our progeny, <laughs> our children, and seeing what they've caught from us. And then now I also understand what I, what I learned from my own parents. And so that, that's pretty magical. Wow. If people want to reach out to you, Laura, what's the best way to connect? Yeah, so reach out to me on Instagram at Adora Therapy, uh, or you can reach out to me at Laura at AdoraTherapy.com or on LinkedIn at Laura McCann. Fantastic. And one last question I ask every guest because I'm always curious and interested at the end of the day, you still have a lot of life to live. What do you want your legacy to be here? Wow. Um, I mean, I think really adore yourself is my legacy. Um, I, I, it's been a journey to do that for myself. If I could teach that to a million people, then I think I've done something that's profound and worthwhile. Wonderful. So well said. Laura McCann, welcome to the American Real Family. You are an inspiration. Keep inspiring our young women, <laughs> women of all ages. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Roger. So nice to talk to you today. Thanks for tuning into American Real. Be sure to visit our website, AmericanReal.tv, or search for us on iTunes or YouTube for past episodes. While you're there, please rate us or leave us a review, as that helps others find our show. I am truly grateful and appreciate all of your support. If you'd like to be part of our inner circle or want one-on-one -on -one coaching, check out the American Real Learning Academy, where we have self-help groups and courses so you can build the best you. We also have a new Facebook group where you can connect with high achievers from around the world. If you want to go even further, maybe you're determined to write your own book or launch your own podcast, contact me today to see if we could help. You can reach me through Instagram or Facebook or email me directly at Roger at AmericanReal.tv. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.